with the help of Hashem, we are learning Babakama Daft Tzadik Tes. We left off on Daft Tzadik Ches Amid Beis, the last line from the bottom of the Amid. The Mishnah told us that if a person gives to a craftsman something to fix and they ruin it, the craftsman is chayv to pay to the owner. Came along Rav Asi and he said that our Mishnah is only speaking about a case where the craftsman was hired to fix something. But if the craftsman actually fashioned something from your raw material, Rav Asi taught us the din that uman koina bishvach keli, which means that he becomes the owner in the added value. And therefore, if you were to ruin it, he's not hyped to pay you anything. He ruins his own stuff. Says the Gemara, Let's find now a Mishnah. We're going to find a Tana that will be a backup, that will be, will be a base for the din of Rav Asi. And we're quoting a Mishnah. If a person gives wool to a dyer, and the dad burnt it. And the Havamin of the Gemara is, is that the dyer put it in a vat with dye. And first, let's say you want the dye red. It got red. So right now it's worth more. But then he left it in there too long and it went from being red to be completely ruined. Says the Mishnah, that the dyer, the craftsman, has to compensate. But for what? Only for the money of the wool. Think about a dye heart. If you're going to say that the craftsman is not a partner in the added value. Before it burned, it got... Red, red dyed wool is worth more than raw wool. So Lechora, the craftsman, shouldn't only have to pay him for the wool, he should have to pay him for the dyed wool. For that not. So says the Gemara, the Meitz Amrei in, the Meitz Amrei v'shiv chayloi, is the Haraya, and Lav, and are we not talking about Sheikdi chayla achar nafila? Like we spoke out, first it got better, then it got burnt. The Ika means when it got burnt, it wasn't only that he burnt raw wool, he burnt dyed wool, which is more valuable. And why doesn't he have to pay for that? Because the, the, the added value belongs to the craftsman. Now again, the owner of the wool doesn't have to pay him for that. But on the other hand, the craftsman did not damage something that belonged to the owner of the wool. But says the Gemara Omar Shmuel, we're not arguing with Ravasi, but we are saying is that you don't have a proof from this Mishnah. The case of the Mishnah might be that when you put the raw wool into the vat, it got ruined, it got burnt before it got dyed. So there was no value. It wasn't dyed wool. It was just raw wool. Maybe that's why he only has to pay for the Tzamech. Atazai says the Gemara Avol. Are you telling me that if is is that what Shmuel is saying? In other words, is Shmuel arguing with Ravasi? So Shmuel clarifies. Amalach Shmuel Hachu Mayaskinon Kigain Ditzemer V'Samanim L'Balabayis. Say even more. I can limit the Mishnah the way I limited it. It's only when it got burnt before it got died. And I can still agree, I can, and I can still argue with Ravasi. Whether I hold with Ravasi or not won't be relevant. Why? Because the Mishnah is also speaking about a case where the owner of the wool gave the dyer the samanim. He gave him whatever was needed to dye the, the wool. And... The only thing he was paying the dyer, <coughs> excuse me, the tzaba agar yedeu the shakel 
Until now, when we're speaking about Uman Kaina B'Shvach Keli, we're speaking about I gave the Uman the raw material, but the craftsman is the one that's giving it all of its added value. If you hold Uman Kaina B'Shvach Keli, then that belongs to the craftsman. All of the added value belongs to the craftsman. What's going to happen in a case where you're giving, in our case, you're dying something. So you're giving the craftsman the raw material and you're giving him the dyes. Here, even if you hold Uman Kaina B'Shvach Keli, you can't say that over here the craftsman owns the added value because everything that was added in it isn't the professional artistic work you know, of the painter. He simply put what is yours to what's on yours. And here, the only thing you owe to the woman is Agad uh, Yadei, his time. He's for sure a seicher. Here it's wages. One second. Shmuel is telling that one second, if that will be the case of the Mishnah, then if he ruined the wool, he also should be chayv to pay him for the money of the dyes. And the Mishnah didn't say that. So the Gemara clarifies again, Shmuel is not arguing with Ravasi. All Shmuel is saying is, is that you cannot prove from this Mishnah that Omen Koyim Shvach Keli because the Mishnah might be speaking about a scenario where there isn't a Shvach Keli. Where isn't there a Shvach Keli? It got burnt before it got died. Before he attempted to say where there isn't a Omen Koyim Shvach Keli because there are times that the Omen is not being paid as a craftsman. He's only being paid as a worker because if the raw materials would have belonged all to the Balabayas, then we Taka wouldn't say, even Avasi wouldn't say, Uman Kainab Shvachkel. So there's no refutation, but there's no proof to Ravasi. Tashima, here recording a Brais. Hanois and Talisailo Uman, if a person gives his talus, his cloak, to a craftsman. Now, we're not saying what exactly was the craftsman to do. Gemara, here the Braisa is referring to the positive and negative commandment that a person is not allowed to delay the wages of a worker. And we have this mitzvah in the Torah, both in Parshas Kedoshim, and we have it in Kedoshim, it says, that which means do not retain the wages of your worker and don't steal. And the Torah goes on to say that don't allow the wages to go into the morning. And as we're going to learn, this refers to a person who worked during the day. And the minig was to pay a day laborer when he finished his work. So if he finished at the end of the day, you have the whole night to pay him. And if the night went through and you didn't pay him, you were over the lovely solid. Now there's another pasik in, not in Kedoshim, but somewhere in the Vodim, I think in Parshas Kiseitse, where there it says, And there, as the Gemara speaks out, pay him at the day. We're speaking about a night laborer. So they finished working early in the morning. So you have the next period to pay them. And the Gemara also adds that what happens if a person was paid to work a day, but only half a day. So you have to pay them that day. But you don't get a full 12 hours. You have to pay them in the period where they ended. If they worked that day, that means that they finished working at night, you have the whole night. If they worked that night and they finished working in the morning, you have that whole day. If they finished in the middle of the day, you got to pay them during the day. So now the question of the Braise is, okay, that's when it comes to paying a laborer. What happens in my case? You give a person a talus, and he's supposed to finish it. And he finished it. And he let the owner know it's done. 
but it wasn't delivered yet. From when does the clock start ticking? So says the Braisa, that since the owner did not get his cloak back, 10 days can go on, and he's not violating withholding wages. He doesn't have to pay for the wages before the article was returned. But when if it was returned, what happens if he got his cloak back in the middle of the day? So the din is, Kivin Shishok Olav Achama Oiver Olav Mishum Baal Salin. Mamish like a day laborer. So now says the Gemara, hold on. Mela, if he's getting paid wages, if we look at a craftsman like a day laborer, so then he's included in the positive commandment, pay him that day, in the negative, don't allow that period to go without paying him. But if you, Rav Asi, say, so when I asked the woman to better an article, even though I made up a price, the way halacha looks at it is that the craftsman becomes a partner in that added benefit. And then when he returns it to me, which he has to, he's a partner that has to end the partnership. I pay him, we look at that not as a wage, I'm paying him for a sale, I'm buying the added benefit. When it comes to a sale, if you sell me an article, there is no biyoy maitit and scharay. How can we be chal equate that? That's mamash refutation. Answers the Gemara. We must limit the law of the Brais. But there's no other option. Which is, We're speaking about a person who had a cloak and the, he gave it to a craftsman, what's called to teasel it, to make it into some sort of velvet. There are certain combs that, inter- that brush it, brushes, that it lifts up the fibers so it becomes more comfortable, but it actually ruins the longevity of the garment. So he did not add benefit to it. So in the moment a craftsman doesn't add benefit, like in the case of Ravasi in the Mishnah, I gave you my carriage, just fix it. You know, it's falling apart, you're not fashioning it, there he's not a partner. There he's getting paid a wage. The moment he's getting paid a wage, then he's, you know, it's included in the law of Leisolen. So, so the Gemara doesn't like the example. Because you can argue that when you make something into velvet, when you, make, when you teasel a garment, there is no benefit. But why would you agree to pay him? Why are you paying someone to do something that has no added benefit? For you it has added benefit. Right. Even if it's only because he's making it more soft. So it's going to last less but it's going to be more of a geschmack to wear it. That's considered added value. You can't say there's no added value. So if Saif Lamaya Havanahali, why did he give it to him? Lerakuchei, to make it softer. And Kivan Derakechei, and since that guy did a good job, so Hainu Shifcha, there is an added value, and we should not look, according to Ravasi, as your payment, as a wage, it's a sale. He's selling that which he benefited, that which he added value. Says the Again, we're going to limit the price. Okay, going the agre. He gave him. He agreed to pay him libiche to stamp and on the cloth. What happens is like this: when you have a garment, I know the shmata business. Today you have machines, but in the good old days, when you did it by your hand, when you wove a garment, many times the holes in the garment were not equal all over. Some holes were bigger, some holes were smaller. So what you need to do is you need to trample on it. It makes everything. It tightens everything up. That in itself doesn't add any benefit. That just allows you later, when you're going to dye it, the dye will spread more evenly. But whenever a craftsman is doing something that doesn't add any benefit, it's not fashioning. That's not something in which you say, there is no shvach keli. 
And there, even Avasi is moida, that whatever the wage you agree to pay him, it's called a wage. The moment it's a wage, why sullen? Bitche, bitche, bimasa. He told him, for every trampling, I'm going to give you a ma. That's important. You see, if I didn't say for every trample, I'm going to pay you a coin, the purpose of trampling is to close the holes. If the holes are closed, you added value. They're also uman kaina bishvach keli. But if I'm telling you, I don't care about the outcome. That's my responsibility, the owner. You trample it. And for every time you trample it, I'm going to pay you a nickel. When you trampled it, it could very be that you made the holes more open. Doesn't matter. You're doing the job no matter whether it adds benefit or not. That's where it's wages. Very good. Now the Gemara points out, According to the Havamina, to the one who asked the question, that this Braisa, but, but, it was a normal case, you know, you're teaseling it, or you're fashioning it. According to the initial understanding of the Braisa, this Braisa will be used to substantiate the Abshashas. The Asr Abshashas, Kablonus. Right, you have Schiris, and you have Kablonus. Schiris is when you pay a person for the day, for the week, for the month. Kablonus is what we call a contractor. When you hire a contractor, build me a house, remodel my house. You're not paying him for the day, you're paying him for the job. So the question they asked from Rapshesh is, do you have the love of Loisolin on a contractor? When he delivers what he said he's going to deliver. Do we say, Oivet Olavishum Balsolin, Oyen Oivet? And on that, Rapshesh answers, Oivet. Lechora, this Braisa, Lamai de Salka Daitin, will be a Gabaldike proof. Lema de Rapshesh, Pligid Ravasi. So hold on. This Braisa, According to the initial understanding, if it's a proof to Rav Sheshis, this Braisa, according to the initial understanding, was a refutation to Ravasi. Are we saying that the fact that Rav Sheshis says that a Kablon is included in the Balsalin, Luchura, what is Rav Sheshis saying? Think about it. I have a house, I have property, I want you to build a house. Property now is worth $100,000. You're going to build a house, I agree to pay you another $100,000. And you built it for me. Rav Shesh is saying, the moment you deliver it, I have to pay you, or whatever, the, listen, just parenthetically, if it was explicitly spoken out before we did the job, and that also goes to a salary person, I'm going to pay you twice a month or once a month, now you're not even on anything. It's that if the understanding was, you're chayv to pay on the 5th, then he, the, the night goes on, then you're over. Rav Shesh says that a kablan is included in the love of Baal Solon. If you're going to hold Uman Kainab Shvach Keli, so then there's no Balsalan. Because you're not paying him a wage. Until you pay him, he's a partner in the added benefit. He's making a sale. By selling an article, there's no Balsalan. So says the Gemara Omar Shmuel Bar Achon. Shmuel will all like Ravas. If we're speaking about a craftsman, that Taka adds benefit in whatever I gave him, he would hold that you're not. Chayif to pay, there's no love of Balsalin because everyone holds Uman Koyne B'Shvach Keli. Where did Rabshesh say that by a Kablin you're Oven on Balsalin? Where he didn't add any value. For example, the Shulcha the Igrata, that you gave a person mail and you told him deliver the mail. You didn't give him a time. When it's delivered, I'll pay you. That Kablin is not adding any value to what you gave him. And everyone will agree that if I work for you, whether it's for the day, whether it's a contract, but I don't add value, so then what you're paying me is zikr, considered a salary or a wage. 
The moment it's called a wage, everyone holds that there is the love of Balsolin. Because there, I can give you a letter by telling you, I'm only going to pay you if you deliver it today. If I'm emphasizing the time, I need this to be delivered like the U.S. mail. No, they guarantee a certain time. Kablonus means I'm paying you less. I, no rush. I'm pay, I want it to get delivered. That's called a contractor. A contractor is someone who's getting paid for, to get the job done without any time pressure. A normal schirus is when I tell a person I'm paying you for the day. No matter how much you worked, I'm paying you for the day. That's the big difference. Right. So says the Gemara, Leima, Lechura, this concept, whether Umen, Koine, Bishvach, Keli or not, is a Machlekes Tanoim. And now we're quoting a Baraisa. And now we have an opportunity to go back to Mesechtas Kedushin. Guys, whoever learned Kedushin, it's so good. We're, you should know like this. That learning without reviewing, what did we learn in the Gemara? Is like a person who plants and they don't harvest. Like you did all the hard work, you planted and you didn't harvest. Elama, we're lazy. We don't do Chazara. So Ravina and Avashi and the great kindness, they made sure that we chazar. The great, we just finished Kedushin. We're going to learn now many dafim in Kedushin and the chazar. It's like this. If a woman tells a man, Asili Shadim, she gives a man, a craftsman, a goldsmith, a block of gold, and she tells him, I want you to make for me anklets, nizamim, nose rings, tabayis rings, make for me jewelry. Now normally she would have to normally she would have to pay him money. And she's telling this craftsman, the Ekadeh and I will become Mikodeshes to you for, the, for this work. Now we learned this in Kedushin. First of all, when a man gives a woman Kedushin, he has to tell her verbally, Hariyat Mikodeshesli. So there's no doubt that not only did he agree to do it, but when he gave it to her, or when he finished fashioning it, we'll get to that in a moment, it, it can only work if he tells her for the work that I did. So we have this here. The question is, okay, is she Mikodesh or not? So says Rabbi Meir, the moment he did it, what does that mean? He did it and he didn't give it to her, which will refute, he did it and he gave it to her, and he said the statement. Now, did he give her money? No. What did he give her? He gave her his added value into her block of gold. Now, how do we view that? Think about it for a second. If we're going to hold Uman Kainim B'Shvach Keli, which means that when she gave him the gold and he made it into anklets, now it's more valuable. If he's considered a partner and he owns it, then when he gives it to her, he's giving her something. It should work. Rav Meir says, Mikodeshes. David Rav Meir. Ha'chalim say, nah, ain't Mikodeshes. He can give it back. She's not Mikodesh's. Only if he gives her money. Something else. Again, we have to clarify what that means. So first of all, the Gemara says, My mamain, what does the Chachamim mean? Do they say, See, the, the, the one way would be to understand that Rav Meir says she's Mikodesh's even before he gives her back the jewelry. And on that, the Chachamim say, No, he has to give her money. Is that the meaning? Is, does Chachamim mean she's only Mikodesh's if he gives her back this gold? Which would imply that Rav Meir holds that even that money he doesn't have to give back to her? Simply doing the work without giving it to her, she's already Mikodesh's. Doesn't make sense, says the Gemara. El Mekatsha, he's giving her nothing. El that even Rav Meir, she, she'd only be Mikodesh's when he gives her back the jewelry. Which would then mean that when the Chachamim argue with Rav Meir and they say that he has to give her money, it, he means that this service is not enough. 
he has to give her other money. My mum and mum and achet. And now we lechuda umen kaina b'shvach keli will be the machloikas, but you can only jump there. The Gemara is going to right away saying by making certain assumptions, and obviously these assumptions don't have to be made. Assumption number one v'sabrua, the one who wanted to suggest that the din of Rav Asi umen kaina b'shvach keli machloikas tanoim held that the kula alma yeshna l'schidas mitchilavat soiv. When it comes to paying someone wages, when it comes to paying someone a salary, this we had many times, there's machlekes, whether yeshna l'schidas mitchila v'asayif, or whether ein l'schidas mitchila v'asayif. Which means like this, I told you, do something for me. One option would be, the moment you did something that has the value of a pruta, I owe you a pruta, I don't have to pay it. I only have to pay it when you finish doing the work. But when you finish doing the work and you give me back whatever you're giving back to me, it's not that now I owe you one lump sum that I'm paying you. No, no, no. I already have a debt with you. I'm paying back my debt. Yeshna l'schidos mitchilavat soif means that. I owe you the wages from the beginning until the end. Which means it's really, it's an accumulated debt. Now, if it's an accumulated debt, Kedushan Davava Middays and many other times, we have that statement beginning with Kedush and Vav Amidbeis that Amakadosh b'milva ena mekodeshes. Amakadosh b'milva means that if a woman owes money to a man, he lent her money, and then he tells the woman that I'm being mekodesh you with this loan, not mekodeshes. Why? Because by Kedushin, a man has to give now, by the Shas Kedushin, something tangible to her. Now, as we learned over there in Kedushin, even if she still has the money of the loan, let's say a man lent a woman a hundred dollar bill and she didn't use it, she still has it. Since when it comes to a loan, milva lohitsa nitna, in other words, the moment I lend someone money, that money is no longer mine. They owe me that value. And even if they have it, it's not mine. So the money he didn't give her now, the money he gave her before. What is he doing now? He's telling you, you don't have to pay me back. That's not called giving her something. Now, by the way, we did learn in Kedushin that hamekadish behanoas milva, we have to know how to word that, yamekodeshes. Like, like Rashi in the beginning explained, if a man tells a woman, you, if, I'm, I'm giving you Kedushan with the fact that you don't have to pay me back. Now she, even to delay paying back, would pay a pruta. So by him allowing her, so to say, not to pay back, that has a value. So the question is more on the semantics, which is important. But if a man tells a woman, I'm being Mekadashu with the loan, Eve Mekodashes. Now let's read it inside. So number one, everyone holds that Yeshno, L'schidus, Metchilavat Saif. He is being hired to fashion her gold into jewelry. And she, and therefore there is a debt. She owes him money. Not when he gives her back to her. The moment he added one proof of value, she owes him one pruta, another pruta, another pruta. And the Kula Alma Mekadashes. Based on these two premises, the only way to interpret the Machlaikas is, my love, woman, kind of a shvach keli, kumifligi. Rav Meir holds woman, kind of a shvach keli, as we explained, which is why she's Mikodeshes, mamish like Rabasi. However, Rabban and Savri, ain't woman, kind of a shvach keli. And therefore, giving her back the jewelry is not good. Oi bazoi, what Rabasi is saying is only according to one Tano. Says the Gemara Loi, you can't say that from this din of Kedushin. And the Gemara is going to give many different ways of understanding the underlying argument between Abed and the Chachamim. Maybe the Kula Almei ain't no man kind of keli. By the way, that will be a refutation on Avasi. But it could be that no one holds Uman Kaino. 
I hire you to do something for me and you fashion something, you don't own anything. When you give it back to me, I owe you wages. However, number one, you can say that And if that's the case, when does she owe him money when he gives her back the jewelry? At that moment. And he's giving her back the jewelry. That's because he gave her the money in the past. But here he's giving her it right now. You don't have to pay me. Keep it for Kedushin. That's why Mikudashis. That Abanan hold Yeshna Lizkila Mithilavat Saif. So it's a Makadash Bimilva. Or another option says the Gamar of Iba, you say Medikula Amla Yeshna Lizkilas Mithilavat Saif. And maybe there's a machlaikis whether you can be Makadash Bimilva. Absolutely. Maybe and the Chachamim hold the Turning to that Tzadik Tesumet base comes along Rav and he gives another alternative explanation. This is Gavaldik. The Kula Alma Everyone holds that when you hire a laborer and they do something for you, the moment they did a prutas worth, you owe them the money. So all wages is really a repayment of an old debt. And everyone holds that you cannot be Mekadosh a woman with a debt. And everyone holds ain woman kind of a keli. So Ebazoi, how can Rav Meir say she's Mekodeshes? So Rav is a genius. says Rav, there's a whole different issue here. That this man, knowing, being a learned person, he knew that even though she told him, you know, do this for me and I'll become Mikudeshes to you. He knew that giving her back the form jewelry is not enough. He wants to marry her. So he added the piece of jewelry into the gold. That's his. So now the question is, if he's giving her something in the jewelry, why would the Chachamim say not? Says the Gemara, He added the piece, he added the gem. So that made holds, what's happening over here? When this man is giving her the fashion jewelry with that gem, She's getting from him two things. She's getting, so to say, a forgiveness of a debt. Normally she would have to pay for the artist to make it, now she doesn't have to pay him. But that wouldn't work. She's also getting a new piece of jewelry. What is her mind on when the man is telling her that with this you're Mikodesh's? So Rav Meir holds Milva Upruta, if a man forgives a debt and he adds Nacha Pruta, here it's a nice, you know, chunky Pruta, he's giving her a whole gemstone. Her mind, she knows that with the loan she doesn't get engaged. So she, her kavana was only on the pruta. The rabbanon savri, the rabbanon hold milva pruta data also on the milva. And since she had in mind, oh, yeah, because I'm getting the service, which is really a forgiveness of a debt, and I'm getting a gemstone, I'm giving myself over to kedushin. If she also relied on the milva. Even though she's also getting a pruta, she's not mikodeshes. And this, this is already another machlekes tanoi, the tanya. Mamish, the same case. If a man tells a woman, I want you to become mikodeshes to me for the work that I have already done, that ain't mikodeshes. But if a man tells a woman, I'm going to do work for you. And I want you to become mikodeshes to me with that which you will owe me. So this is not, like we said before, Hamakadash and an old Milva, Enemy Kodeshes, because he already gave her money in the past. Here he's telling a woman, I'm going to be doing service for you, and I want you to be Kodeshes with the work that I will do. So as he's doing the work, 
then he's giving her that value and service. So the Tanakhama says, Mikodeshes. Comes along Ram Nosson and he says that even when he tells her, this Charsha Esi Imach, Eina Mikodeshes, and what's going to be the Machlekes Tanakhama and Ram Nosson, whether Yeshna Lishchidus Mitchilavatsoif, or Ein Lishchidus Mitchilavatsoif, because if you're going to hold Yeshna Lishchidus Mitchilavatsoif, which is Ram Nosson, even if he made the statement before he started to work, so what? When he started to work, it's not something that's collectible yet. The moment he finishes the service, it's considered an old debt. Hamakadosh b'milva. The chachamim will hold ein leschirus elol basoif. So it's one chunk. He's giving. He, she owes him the money at that time. At that time, he can affect the kedushin. And v'kol shchem b'shalajezimach comes along Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, and he says be'emes amru. Not only like Rabbi Nasan, but now in between the lines. Rab Nassan really would hold that if this person would add a gemstone, then she would become the Kodeshis. And on this, it says Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Bein b'schar sh'os yisimach, Bein b'schar sh'esimach, enim kodeshes. But ve'im ho'isel ha'neimach sh'olai, if he adds a gemstone, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi says, then she is mikodeshes. What does that imply? He's saying something that Rab Nassan disagrees with, which means Rab Nassan will hold that even if he adds a gemstone, she's not Mikodesh's. As the Gemara explains, that what is the Machlekes within the Tanakhama Rab Nassan? Like we spoke out, Yeshna Lishchiros, or Yein Lishchiros. And what's the Machlekes between Rab Nassan and Rab Yehuda Hanasi? That Rab Yehuda Hanasi is the one that holds that Milva Upruta Data Apruta which is like Rab Meir. However, Rab Nassan, even though he didn't say it, but it's evident, he argues, that's why Rab Yehuda Hanasi has to give another opinion, holds that Milva Pruta, her mind is on both. And since she also had in mind for the Milva, HaMakadosh B'Milva, Enemikudashes. Let's go back now to our sugya of someone giving something over to a craftsman. Omar Shmuel says Shmuel, Tabach Uman, Shekilkel, if a person gives an animal to a professional Tabach. Tabach can mean a, a butcher. Here it means also he was the Shaykhet. The butcher was the Shaykhet. And the Shaykhet messed up on the Shechita. So the din is, the shaykhet is chayif to pay. And look at the words of Shmuel, maziku paisheyahu. He's a mazik and he's negligent. How? Because nasik or it's as if someone tells the shaykhet, shchait li mikan, shechted, and he points to him the right place in the neck. And the shaykhet shechts it in the wrong place in the neck. So he mamish was negligent. It's considered an act of negligence. Says the Gemara, Why did he have, He should have just said he's a, he's a mazik. Says the Gemara, I would have thought, that when will he be chayif to pay the shaykhet only if he was being paid to shaykh? But whatever, he was doing it for free. Then he might not be chayif to pay now this is very important. Let's speak it out by heart. Number one, if the tabach is not a tabach uman, then of course if he messes up the shechita, he's chayv to pay. Because why did you undertake to do something that you're not, you're not qualified to do? Then you're right away a pesheya. If you are a professional and you're still tripped up, here are the issues here. First of all, we learned many times that Adam Hamazik, if the man is the one that did damage, you can't cry oinus. Explained it as Shainim, here you could. 
Because when do we say that if I am mazik, something that belongs to you, even Bo'inus, I gotta pay, that is when I had no business touching what's yours. But over here, when you give something over to a pabach and you ask him to work with it, not so simple anymore. You can't say that if he's an oynus, he's going to be potter. What do we say? Well, he was asked to work with it. Obviously, he was asked to do a good shechita, not a bad shechita. So here, we will view him like a shoymer. Now, what do we find by the shoymer? That in the dinim of shoymerim, there is a difference between a shoymer chinom and a shoymer sachar. If you are a shoymer chinom, since you're doing it for free, only when you are a poisheya are you chayif. If you're not a poisheya, like by Geneva Vaveda, then you're going to be potter. But if you are doing it b'schirus, then you're more responsible. So that's what he's saying over here. That's what Shmuel is implying. That even if he was, so to say, a shaymer chinam, even though he wasn't getting paid to shecht, a shaychet messing up in the shechita is mamish viewed like a poisheya. Even a shaymer chinam is chayvib shia. So that's why he didn't just want to say the words mazik. He said that he's a mazik, he's a poisheya. Because he should have made sure he does a good shechita. For sure, that's a very important role. If a person undertakes to do something, and they're not qualified to do it, and they mess up, they're always chayiv. Who asked you to take, to take upon yourself to do something that you're not qualified? Here the part is, you were qualified. You made a mistake. How do we view the mistake? So again, by Adam HaMazik, who cares? Mistake, mistake. You're Adam HaMazik. But here you were asked to help. Elamai, instead of helping, you made a mistake. Shmuel holds very strongly. Maziku poisheyahu. Now, says the Gemara, Eisved Avcham Abargur L'Shmuel. We learn in Abraisa, Hanoisim Behemel Atabach. Clearly, the same case. A man gives an animal to a shoichet. V'nibwa. And the shoichet makes it into an avail. That means the shechita wasn't good. Says the Abraisa, Uman, if he's an expert, he's potted. However, if he was an idiot, if he wasn't a professional butcher, then he's chayv. He, he, should, he should not have undertaken it. Now let's get into a, a, a very important detail. There are different ways that a shaykhet necks up. We're going to learn both the case of Shmuel and the case of the Braisa. The reason why the shaykhet messed up is a professional, because the animal jumped. So while the animal jumped, he was an oinus. However, the question is, should have the shaykhet foreseen that possibility and done something previously to prevent it from jumping. This is going to be compared, as we'll see in a moment, to something we learned earlier on in the Masechta, whether niskal poisheyahu, if a person trips with a shosarabim. Remember those dinim? A person trips. Because I tripped, my jug fell and it broke, and someone got hurt on it. But I didn't dig a hole with a shosarabim, bemaze it. It began because I tripped. So that was the machlekes, rabbeir and the chachamim, whether niskal poisheyahu or not. Same concept. In other words, when I fell, I'm an oinus. I didn't fall on purpose. But had I been more careful, I would have prevented myself from slipping. I'm already giving you the end of the sugya. So that's the same concept over here. The animal jumped in Shashchita, that was an oinus. But you could, have, you could have tied the animal up better. Here the Braitha says, you're taka potter. However, the Braitha says, But if you gave him a salary, So he's like a shaymer sachar. A shaymer sachar isn't only chayiv by pshia. He's already chayiv by geneva aveda. So then, the kids said, this mamish goes against what Shmuel said. Now, what Shmuel did here was he reacted by saying very strong words. Amar so he told, Rav Chama Bar Guria, 
May your mind become muddled. It was really a blessing. He told me, you know, you know let, you're not thinking. Mutazah answer, he was ashamed to ask him, why? You know, we learned here, in the, we, we have our great Rosh Yeshiva, Haraf Shochat Shlita. It's as minic to use these types of verbiage. And sometimes you have to have courage to, to respond. He was quiet. So also made Rabbanon, came another Chacham, and he wasn't intimidated. He told Shmuel, one second, that was a great question. There was a Braisa that Mama says, not like what you're saying. You're saying even by a Shomer Chinam. No, the Braisa says that if, that if he wasn't paid to Shecht and, he may, and the animal jumped, you're Potter. So Amalei, so Shmuel tells him, You're going to get what your friend got. But he explained it to him. I am telling you a din. It should have been obvious to you that I am passing like Rav Meir. Obviously. And you're asking me from the Rabbanon? Yes, there's a Braiso. I hold like Rav Meir. If you would have been the dyke in my words, Shmuel was expecting for his students to be even more learned. Shmuel used a very lengthy expression to say his din. If you would have been medayik in my words, you would know Sha'ani oimer maziku poishayahu. In other words, nasiku oimer loy. Why did I have to add? Shmulach gave an example. It's as if a person tells the sheikhid, shchait lemikan v'shachal lemikan. Shecht on one side and the shecht on the others. Why did Shmuel have to give such a long thing psagdin? Shmuel, in between the lines, is saying that I am telling you something only based on Rav Meir. Now Shmuel passes like Rav Meir. But now you can't refute him from another b'raisa that can go according to the Chachamim. Man is In other words, who holds this logic that even if while something happens, bo'inus, we say that you should have foreseen this possibility and prevented it from happening. Where do we find that? Rabmeir. The person should have paid more attention. And now, the greatness of Shmuel is, he didn't even tell his students which Rav Meir all he gave him over the head that I didn't just give up Sagdin I gave Agan Sadrasha Mazaku Pesheyahu it's as if he said this and he did that you should have understood that I'm onto something and you should know it's Rav Meir now the Gemara is going to right away bring up three different options and the simon is Kolon we're going to see Kshara Yilitzvaya Nishbara until we come to the third one which we mentioned which was the case of tripping but the Gemara is going to ask okay, which Rav Meir it's good to have such a teacher. You understand? He doesn't give you everything on a silver platter. So you have to break your head. So, so the Gemara says, Hi Rav Meir. One second. Which, where is the Rav Meir and the Chachamim that argue whether a person needing to foresee a possibility and that lack of foresight is already called Paisheya. If it's Rav Meir, the Tnan, again, Kolon, the Kuf is for Kesharai. That If you remember, we learned about the concept called Shmira Pachusa, Shmira Ma'ula. Means if a person guarded their ox, but it was only guarded from a ruach matsuya. So keshari you tied your ox with the rain, and under normal circumstances the ox would not be able to break free. Or the null, the fun of you locked them in a room, well you know a normal door. Under normal circumstances the door would not open up. But the yatsa the hizik, something unusual happened. You could have foreseen it, but you didn't. Bein tam that made is the one that holds shmira is chayiv. The chachamim hold. Nisht. So it says the Gemara, that cannot be Daf Meir, because as we learned this in Daf Mem, hey, 
This has nothing to do with foreseeing a possible unusual circumstance. Hasam bikroi pligi. The machlekes whether you need by the by the by the damage of ox shmirah pchusa or shmirah maula has to do with sukim. We just learned this mission a few times that if a man gave die, gave wool to a dyer, not to die, die, you know, die, die, but die with a Y, to, to die, to paint, and he painted it black, he made a mistake. Same concept. In other words, he did an accident, but he shouldn't have made that accident. He should have paid better attention. And on this says that he got a pain for the wool. For the price of the wool, says the Gemara. One second, Over there, he he made a mistake. He dyed it the wrong color. Of course, he's chayiv to pay. He burnt it with his hands. Over here, the example we're given is is that the animal jumped. At that moment, it was an oynus. Can't blame the shaykhit. Now we're going to get to the right Rav Meir. That's not like we learned. Or the Tanya. If a person is walking in the public domain and the person tripped and the jug that he was holding fell and broke. And he did not remove it. Or if a person tripped and then his camel tripped on him. And he didn't stand his camel up. And then a third party's animal got damaged on the broken shards. Or tripped over the camel. Machlekes, Rabbeir and the Chachamim. Rabbeir says, Chayiv ben Iskan, The Chachamim say, Patamir din Adam. He didn't act. He didn't actively dig a pit. He's Chayiv ben Ishamayim. And as we learned before, and Davchavtes, that what is the Machlekes, Rabbeir and the Chachamim, ben Iskal Pasheyahu Pligi, is tripping considered negligence, or is tripping considered an accident? When you trip, no one wants to trip. This is the best example. Elama, if you would have been more precautious, you would have looked better. You wouldn't have been engrossed as whatever you're thinking of. And you wouldn't have tripped. So the same thing is over here. So what do we have? Shmuel, again, Shmuel holds, like Rav Meir, that if a person gives an animal to an expert shaykhet, even if he did not pay him to shaykhet, so he's like a shaymer chinam, even if the reason why the shechita did not come out good is because the animal jumped, shoicher is chayv to pay for the damage. Omar Abba Bar Barchano, Omar Abba Yechanan, we're going to learn a different opinion. Tabach umen shekil kol chayv. That if a professional tabach messed up the shechita, chayv v'afilu hu umen ketabach etzipoyrei, even if the shoichet is as the extraordinary professional shoichtim that live in Sipoidei, in the north of Israel. So what is Shmuel saying? Rabbi Yechanan is saying, like Shmuel, There was a story that happened with Rabbi Yechanan. The mine in the shul, in the synagogue, in the city, called mine. And the same thing over there was, that the shoichet messed up. And the Omar lay, and Rabbi Yechanan tells the shoichet, Zil Aisaraya the Mamchis Litarnagoilim. Go bring me a proof that you are a professional to shecht chickens. Prove to me that you're a professional. And if you will, if you take it, can prove that you're the professional, then the afterach, you won't have to pay for the damage. Rabbi Yechanan says that if a shoichet messes up on the shechita, if they are a professional, they're not chayv to pay. By Danny, like we spoke on Anashi. 
A non-professional is always chayiv. Why did you undertake to do something that you're not qualified to do? So Rabbi Yechanan is arguing. So the Gemara says, Leikash. Khan, we're going to see now, like we mentioned, Rabbi Yechanan argues with Shmuel. In that story, the Shaykh was doing it for free. And therefore, if he's a professional, he won't have to pay. Not like Shmuel. And however, Khan, when we quoted Rabbi Yechanan, you know when Rabbi Yechanan says that even if he's a professional, he's chayv, that's if he gets paid. So he's like a shomer sachar, and there he's more chayev. It's not only by direct shia. Like, it's like Geneva Vaveda. Kan besachar. So Rabbi Yechanan argues with Shmuel. Ki hadam rabzeira, haroitza she is chayev tabach. Based on this din, if you are giving an animal to a sheikh to shecht, and you want to make sure that if he messes up, he'll compensate you. You better pay him. Yagdim loy dinar, pay him a dinar. Ah, my Zayda would get paid a dinner every time he shechted. He would have had an easier life. In Brazil, they paid him. I, my father found the contract. They paid my Zayda to shech. Mamish like a half a penny. Garnished. Couldn't live. But, uh, but bottom line, if you pay him, then you're more chayef. Good. Meisvei says the Gemara. It says in Abraisa, If a person brings over wheat to a miller, or v'loy l'sasan. Now, the way you grind wheat, being that Chazal tell us that bran is not superior. Superior is when you take out the whole klipa. We don't like klipa. So the way you do it is you have to first soak it in water. When you soak it in water, then the husks are better separated from the kernels. And then when you grind it, you get unbleached. Bleach is mamish chazar treif. But you get white flour, which is good. But this genius didn't soak it in water. So when, you, when, he, when he ground the, the, the wheat, it was a bran. It became either coarse bran, known as subin, or it became fine bran, known as mursan. So, no, he was a mazik. Or, kemach, you gave flour, lenachtoim, to a baker. You ever did that? And you put it in the oven, and you take it out, and the whole thing collapses. But also, pasnipoilin, it became crumbly bread. Or if you give an animal to a shaykhet, v'nibla, says, the b'raisa chayiv. You're chayiv. Because he's treated as a noiser sacher. Mamish like Shmuel. In other words, not that he, because he got paid. He's as if he got paid, implying that even if he wasn't played, paid, we always view him like a noiser sacher, like Rav Meir. Tripping is considered a pshia. Should have uh, foreseen. So the Gemara says you have to amend the b'raisa. You only hide when you got paid. Now move on to another case. Now before we learn the next case, the story in the Gemara, it's good to say the following. We're going to learn in Chulin that to be a Shaykhet, you have to be a professional in practice, but you also have to have the Hilchish on the tip of your tongue. Beginning with the five principal dinim that when a Shaykhet shechts, if any one of the five happen, the shechita is not good. What are the five dinim? Shechita, that you cannot do shi'ia. You cannot do drasa, you cannot do chalada, you cannot do, you cannot do hagrama, and you cannot do ikur. So let's go one by one. The first one is shi'ya. Shi'ya means delay or pause. If in the middle of shechting, the shaykhid pauses, shechit is not good. Drasa means to press. That means that, of course, you're putting some pressure, but you can't shech by putting pressure downwards. You have to be going and coming with the knife, back and forth, and it can, you can do it the whole day, but don't press it down. The third thing of chalada, chalada means digging, which means that there's a possibility 
that first you, so to say, bury the knife under the skin, and then you start shechting the two, the trachea and the esophagus, that's not good. No, you cannot dig or hide the knife in the fur of the animal. It has to be exposed. The fourth din is called hagrama, which is the din that we're going to learn now. Now there's a machlekes in how to understand pshat in hagrama. Halachically, hagrama means that within the neck of the animal, there is a height in which we say that if you shechted higher than that, you didn't shecht in the right place. Also in the, the lower part of the trachea and the esophagus, if you shechted lower than an area, the shechita is not good. And there is the correct place where to shecht. And hagrama means you shechted it in the wrong place. Our sugya is not learning that way. Our sugya is learning that hagrama means like this, that in, you know, there's the, there's the food pipe and the windpipe. In the windpipe, in the trachea, you have like little rings. You can almost feel it. And the shechita has to be in that same ring. Now, there's a din by shechita. That if a person shechted the majority of each one of these two pipes, the shechita is kosher. Rave of both. But what happened if you shechted the majority of the trachea in one ring? Which is great. And then the knife slipped. And you shechted the remaining part of that side of the trachea in a different ring. That's a machlaikas tanoi. What's one way would be to say, since you already shechted enough, had you stopped here, the shechita would have been kosher. The fact that you finished cutting more in another ring, who cares? But other, the other opinion is no. Had you stopped, you're good. But now that you change places, this is the psal of hagrama. And we're going to get to that right now. But just to finish off, ikur means tearing. You cannot tear the samanim. You have to cut it. Okay, these are the five psal. So now says the Gemara the following story, that mar, magrumta, there was a case of hagrama, the asoi lekame, the rav, that came in front of rav. And we're going to read the Rashi inside, Mamush the case, that Shochat Mitoich Achas Hatabois, that a Shochet was shechting inside one of the rings in the trachea, which was great, but then Vehigrim, here Vehigrim doesn't mean that he slipped below the right place. He went to, the, to one ring up or above, uh, above or below. And Chutz Bein Tabas Latabas, and in the first ring, he shechted the minimum amount in the first one, which is the majority, half plus a hairbreadth. Rabbi Yossi, but Rabbi Yehuda says it's kosher. You get it? Because since you shechted enough in this ring, you're good. The Chachamim are the ones that hold that if you slip, you made Hagrama, even though you made Hagrama after you did Raiv in the ring, it's not good. So they asked Rabbi Shiloh and Tarfei. He made a treif. By the way, it doesn't mean treif, just to know the rule. Treif means if the animal has one of the 18 blemishes. It means it became an avela. But like us today, we call everything treif. However, one second, what's the din of Shmuel? That if a shaykhet messes up, the shaykhet has to pay the owner. So Rav told the shaykhet, you don't have to pay. The animal is treif, but you don't have to pay. So Pogobet Afkanav Ravasi Bogaru, Ravkahan and Ravasi found that person, Amrulay, and they told him, Ovid Bach Rav Tarti, Rav did two things to you. Now what did they mean by that? Did they mean to say that Rav did two things negatively to you? Because it could be viewed that way, but it couldn't be that they meant that. My tarte, Did he do two things that are detrimental? Meaning, the Number one, he should have passed him like Rabbi Yisib and Rabbi Yehuda. 
And if we were to pass like him, since Roiv of the trachea was slaughtered in the same ring, there was no hagram and the animals would have been kosher. And number one is Vatarfi Kirabanan. That was one detrimental thing that he did. And the Inamakirabanan. And then you know what? You want to be Mahmer? Hold on. Be Mahmer on both sides. At least the Tabuk should have to pay. The Tabakh doesn't have to pay because as far as the Tabakh is concerned, we're being lenient. We're passing like Rabbi Yossi, the animal is kosher. If this is what they meant, it can't be. Because you can't tell a person who walked out of a dentator that the judge wronged you. Can't do that. That the judge made a mistake. That when people, when judges leave, now this is really on the judge. Imagine there are judges that leave a dentator. There's always the party that loses. So one judge tells the losing party, just for you to know, I was on your side. I passed for your favor. The other judges went against you and the majority wins. You're not allowed to do that. Lo don't tell the loser, I was really for you. My friends were the ones that went against you. And they win. And on this it says, that the one who reveals a secret who gives away what was the back and forth amongst the judges, that's called the Rachel, that's called the tail-bearer. And the Gemara is applying it, that if a Rav Paskins, you hear the Psagdin, don't tell the losing party, the judge wronged you. That's not right. Ella, they meant the opposite. It's an amazing story how everything can be viewed positively, and everything can be viewed negatively. View it that they told him, look how good Rav did. He did a double good for you. First of all, there is a question whether he paskin like the Chachamim like Rabbi Yossi. For you, he paskined. Don't eat it. Because if there's a doubt whether something is treif, treif is poison. There's a suffix poison. Be lenient. No. Be machmer. And on top of that, had he been consistent and say it's treif, so now the butcher has to pay you, if the butcher would give you money and really the animal was not treif, so the butcher's money is stolen money. So you're going to benefit from stolen money. So look how great Rav was. He made sure you don't eat treif and he made sure you don't take Safik Zalam. Let's hop and I invite it. We learned Hamada Dina Lishulchani. If a person had a coin and he wanted to know whether the coin is a forged coin or not, and he shows it to a banker. So it says, the, it, says it, it was stated, the Nimsorah. And the banker told the coin owner, the coin is not forged, the coin is good. So based on the banker's advice, you accepted it. Now you want to buy merchandise, and they're telling you, no, 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 the dollar is counterfeit. The So again, what's the question? Whether the professional banker owes you the damage. In one price it says the banker is exempt. However, only if he's a head yet, only if he's a non-professional and he gave you bad advice, then he's chayved. There's no debate about that. Because who asked you to give an opinion if you're not qualified? However, Vitanya Idach, it will learn in another b'raisa, that Bain Uman, Bain Hedyet, whether he's a professional or not, he's always chayiv, more like Shmuel. He's negligent. So how do you reconcile it? Amenaf Papa, ki tanya Uman Patir. Do you know what type of professional is exempt? And this is going to be like Rabbi Echenon. Kigoyin Danku ve'isr. Danku and Isr were two people that at that time, they were the high standard of being a professional, knowing whether money is counterfeit or not. 
people that are mamish professionals, that they don't need to get a second opinion. They have the right to opine. And even if they made a mistake, they won't be held responsible. And let's just add, that's because you did not pay the banker for the service. The moment you pay the banker for the service, he's like a shamer sacher. Let's say that. Many achrenim say not. That's the question over here. Ella, one second, if he's a danko and a isur, how did he make a mistake? Ella by So the Gemara says, to besichsa chadato. There was a new coin. They just changed the U.S. dollar bill. They put another genius on the picture. Right? It's a new stamping. It just came out of the press. So there, even the greatest professionals, they can make a mistake. But the moment they are not on that level of expertise, that's the, we're going to conclude with this, that if someone should still add to his or her knowledge, and without getting a second opinion, they give a ruling, and they, wrong, they gave a wrong ruling, they're considered negligent, they're poishaya. You gave an opinion, goes to a doctor, who are you to give an opinion? Get another opinion. But here we're learning that once they reach the level that they are considered experts, if they made a, a mistaken they made a mistake, they gave a wrong opinion, since they are umanim, they will be not liable for the damage that they caused, and Mirza Hashem to be continued.